welcome to the 9642 podcast. This is your host, Mr. Number 9. And this is the phone. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. And touch wood, we've been keeping a really good schedule and we're going to be on a roll before I go away on holiday for mm-hmm. a good two to three weeks yeah. coming up, going back to Bangladesh. Um, but we'll still be pumping out some content in that time and then we'll be recording new content again when I'm back after Easter. This podcast that we're recording right here will probably be out while you're away. Yeah, fair enough. So yeah. I'll hope everybody had a great Easter. This is probably when you will be hearing it. It could also give you some much needed time off from editing and refreshing and recharging the batteries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be good to a bit. I mean, it's still going to take a bit of editing to get through, but we'll get there and we'll be okay. But we'll get them done and then, yeah, we can just schedule them out. Rugby Aotearoa, and it kind of revitalized, I think, a love for rugby in the country because it was at some point the only sport we could watch. Yeah. And we really loved watching our players go out there. Um, you know, the uh, there was not getting any money, and there's been some much there's there's some problems coming for New Zealand and to a certain degree Australian rugby. Yeah. With the current state of Sanzar. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so New Zealand Rugby lost money in 2020, and uh, I think they were only going to break even this last 12 months, mm. if that. So, yeah, so there was definitely financial drivers there for changing something. Yeah. And they knew that what was happening wasn't going to be sustainable going forward. That was, that's yeah. been the New Zealand Rugby Union's point all along, is that Whatever happens, what's currently happening will not will not mean we are not going yeah. back to a pre-COVID normal when it comes to rugby. Hundred percent. Now, before COVID, we I think a bit of I'm sure most of our listeners know this, but those from countries where rugby is not a major sport, um, I think it's important to understand that rugby world rugby was going through some schisms and trying mm. to figure out what they wanted to do with the sport. Um, the in the southern hemisphere the national games and the to a certain degree the franchise system which was heavily linked to the national game because it was a transnational competition were more popular um and were being were like the financial backbone of the game whereas yeah. the traditional clubs in England France and the other uh six, uh, six nation countries uh are the backbone of the financial structure up in the northern hemisphere the proposal was that we would have a concurrent sixth and rugby championship going on at the same time, and then the the winners of the two uh, divisions would two conferences effectively would play each other in a yeah. final, and we would have relegation promotion. The Southern Hemisphere loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved it. They thought it was a great idea. A more money for the game spreads it out. We get to introduce the game to more pl- more cu- more markets and put them into our quote unquote uh, region of influence. Um, things like this, and it would 
definitely set up a system that would make rugby grow and more sustainable in the long term. At least, and I said this as a very biased Southern Hemisphere perspective, yeah. we yeah. can only see the benefits. Yeah. Um, I'm sure Northern Hemisphere rugby fans will have a completely different benefit. And I'll be honest, like, basically from my perspective, they'll all... Their excuses all sound like we don't give a crap about rugby played anywhere else in the world. We just care about our local rugby club. And we might care about our home nation, England, Ireland, Wales, during the Six Nations and every four years during the Rugby World Cup. But other, the national thing doesn't, uh, doesn't bother us. We don't care if they play rugby in Georgia or Lebanon or, you know, Russia or the United States, you know, growing those markets making money and the clubs this is the weird thing for me because the clubs in the northern hemisphere seem to agree with their fans where mm. i think like a sport like rugby league which is always desperate like i think this is a proof that like rugby union up north is less professional than rugby league because rugby league is always looking to expand into markets where there's heaps of eyeballs get the viewing numbers and you know get the audience yeah, yeah to their sport and grow the game as much as they can. Yeah. Um, like, we can make fun of the Rugby League World Cup all we want about <laughs> players representing multiple... But the best league players are in the Rugby League World Cup. Yeah. They, it's the Rugby League World Cup is a festival of Rugby League. Like, everybody enjoys watching the Rugby League World Cup. There's so-called gimme games don't really exist because the way league works and because good players from who play their game, you know, who play domestically in uh, England, Australia, New Zealand are allowed to represent their second country to make it more even. Yeah. Because rugby league thinks about the product and like entertaining the fans. Um, exactly. And I mean, so, that was shown at the last, the last actual rugby league world cup here in New Zealand. Yeah. When there was, some would call it a mass defection of previously New Zealand Kiwi players who had played for New Zealand for the Kiwis and they went to Tonga because they yeah. could. And they were like, well, actually, we're going to go represent Tonga in the World Cup because we want to... A, they could definitely get game time. Um, and they, were, they weren't they were necessarily fringe players, but there was competition for those spots. And B, there was they could, and it was national pride. They're like, we're Tongan first and New Zealand second. I also so. want to... The equivalent of Tom Brady in rugby league went to Tonga. Yeah. New Zealand anyway. Yeah, exactly. That was yeah, Tomalolo going to Tonga was yeah. a big big thing. Um Yeah, absolutely. But there was more than just him. There was about four or five I wanna say players yeah, and a couple yeah. of Australians as well. Like people who had previously yeah. played for the Kangaroos also went and played for Tonga. Yeah, and it doesn't hurt their future chances for the Kiwis or the Kangaroos for that matter. Which no. is what's great about the system. Um it has its detractors, but, you know, every sport has a different international tradition. You can't, yeah, yeah. you know, and rugby leagues is that we want the best things at the World Cup. We want players to, to grow the international game. We want players to come out and be have the opportunity to represent more than one country because we want them to grow, you know, want to do both. And that'll keep them from wanting to play, you know, rugby. Yeah, yeah. and things like that. Uh, so... That's the way rug, uh, rugby league works. I mean, the the idea that uh, having American viewers like the England, I don't know, the Heineken Cup in England, uh, the Heineken Cup and the English Premiership 
could easily become like the equivalent of the Premier League in uh uh that the Premier the the Premier League in football where it's the most you know wo- most watched league the most money they could do the English uh, the English rugby clubs should be actively trying to do that for rugby and rugby fans in America and create this new market sure it's not going to be as valuable or as rich as associate and I'm going to use this term for the rest of the podcast just to differentiate between the different codes yeah. soccer um to different uh so uh, compared to the to soccer it's not going to be as rich but you know uh rugby has the possibility of becoming like maybe the third or fourth most popular sport internationally after sports like basketball yeah and like for team sports that is yeah 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 basketball and cricket you know and cricket is stupidly mismanaged in a way that rugby union is not yeah. like uh, and we don't need to go into a rant about cr- uh, cricket. Like cricket is way underperforming what it should do in the international yeah. level in terms of money. And we know that those, like when the only thing that's keeping and world rugby has been so good, so competently, carefully growing the game around the world using both sevens and fifteens. Um, it was a bit disappointing that the northern hemisphere fans didn't just you know were like not willing to take the next step and be more ambitious and grow the game further. Like, I don't have a dog in the fight. Realistically, I'm not that big a rugby union fan. But I, to a large degree, envy what World Rugby has as a cricket fan. I wish cricket was as well organized as World Rugby is. Yeah. But yeah, the that whole inter-hemisphere yeah. championship thing, whatever, they did have a name for it, I've forgotten. Yeah, it was about yeah. the closest they've become, the RRB has come to being about could... as incompetent as the ICC. But yeah, and my and understanding. To be fair, the IRB or World Rugby were not the ones who were incompetent. They put forward, yeah. I thought, a really good proposal, a good commercial idea. It was basically shot down by the home nations in the yeah, and, uh, in the northern and, hemisphere. And in that, it was my understanding. It was mostly England that shot it down. Like the IRB had consulted and had gone through and had thought it through, and yeah. it was pretty close to going through the only thing as i understood it that stopped it really was that it had that england didn't want to have even the possibility of relegation out of their the six nations they just they were like the promotion relegation was their sticking point with yeah the, i understood that as to yeah. be their sticking point too but if you had expanded the six nation like the yeah. top division into a seven team division and did the same in the southern hemisphere when is England going to be relegated? When are they ever When are they ever going to be not just worse than Italy, but worse than a seventh team that's come like into this Georgia. competition? Yeah. Uh, right, sure. The seventh team, if it's South Africa, don't get me wrong. Any t- one of you guys are getting relegated. Probably Italy. Yeah. And like, it's definitely a thing for a worry for countries like Italy, Scotland, maybe to an extent. Wales and Ireland, if they ever get, you know, they're in a high point now in their rugby, but you can always go to a bad generation. Yeah. But, you know, we have relegation promotion in the Nations League in soccer. Um, England are not afraid of relegation. Uh, I'm guessing these public school boys that are part of the English rugby scene are just born cowards. Yeah. And like the common man has always got courage. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's one way of definitely looking at it. Um, yeah, it was just England being England more than anything, and or England rugby union being that, and it's just, yeah, it was just silliness. It's like there was no need for it, yeah. as you said. The what likelihood of it ever was it going to happen? Like zero. Yeah. Um, and if it so. did happen, good. You deserve it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like that's one of the things that annoys the hell out of me about cricket. Why the hell are you a test match country? Because, what, 80, 90, 100 years ago, some, a bunch of old people in England decided, okay, this might be a nice place to have a holiday. <laughs> we'll, well, we, uh, and we'll go play a few cricket games and earn some money to make up for it. Like, effectively, the early test tours were that, working holidays, yeah. right? They go yeah, to, yeah. like, New Zealand, like, I say this as a New Zealand cricket fan, did not deserve to be a test nation 27 years when it couldn't win any, like, you know, we still have the record for the lowest ever test match total. Like, yes. the first group of test matches that New Zealand were not a test match standard country. No. Like, for the for at least the first decade, sure. It took us a bit longer because of World War Two and everything to finally get our, you know, get our first win. And I and obviously I know all that, but at the end of the day, you know, them's the cookies, right? Like, you, yeah. you're not good enough, you're not good enough. Like, in the Olympics, we don't go, oh, yeah, Scotland gets a, gets an automatic place in the in the 100-meter sprint or, like, the mile or the marathon because Roger Bannister, like, in the 40s. What? what? <laughs> How dumb would that be? Like, it's an incredibly stupid way to run a sport. It is. It really is. Like nobody thinks that nobody thinks that's how it should be run. Like why are why are Engl- uh, why are Engl- why do people in it's the it's the pub it's the private school mentality. Like, this is my political bias coming in right now, but yeah, it's the pri- it's the old school private school boys mentality to yeah. uh, 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 basically cowardice. <laughs> I'm just gonna call it that. It's probably the best uh, word for it. But as it was, like, this plan was supposed to sustain rugby for a long time. And heck, if that had gone through, surely maybe it would not have been able to take part in during COVID times. But the fact that we had this all available and the requisite TV rights and everything by 2023, which I think is what the proposed start date for it was, it would have been all go. Like, New Zealand rugby would have been in a position where, like, yeah, we can sustain a few losses because the good times are coming. Yeah, we're getting this, and world rugby is not just reliant on World Cups. We have this annual every year national competition. Yeah, exactly, and it would have been helpful too because the whole the other sticking point, which wasn't really a sticking point, but this is where the clubs really stuck in. They sure they had their other things, but was the establishment of the um, international windows. So there would be established international windows in. June-ish, July-ish, and other one in October, November-ish, um, or maybe a bit later, so that the cross countries, or the cross hemisphere um, stuff could happen, um, which would have been great as well, because then they would have had actual, yeah. you know, dedicated windows, which has always been a problem, is trying to sort out yeah. things and clubs... Unlike um, soccer, as you say, which does have dedicated international weekends, this international things. Yep. As much as we have a love-hate relationship with those weekends, they exist. They exist, and they they mean that you know there isn't tension 
between club and country. Like, there's a weekend, this is the you go But there's to less country. tension, let's less, be fair. Okay, there's still tension, still heaps of tension, but less tension. Whilst, like, there was a problem with Argentina playing in the Southern Hemisphere competitions because all the good players play in Europe. And the European clubs wouldn't let them free to come play in the middle, you yeah. know, at different times. Like, it didn't really... There was and issues it's similar for South yeah. Africa now, now that their yeah. good players are in. It's one of these interesting things, and we will get into this because it's got some now consequences. So basically, after COVID, New Zealand went and formed Super Rugby Aotearoa. Um, South Africa threw a hissy fit. Would that be fair? Um, no, South Africa had thrown the hissy fit first. Sort for a of. while, but like for yeah. a while, they've been calling, they've been going bluffing and saying, we're going to leave, we're going to leave, we're going to leave. And basically, finally, New Zealand rugby after COVID went, eh, we're fucked either way. Yeah. And they called their bluff and South Africa went, how dare you call my bluff? <laughs> and like, we're throwing a hissy fit. And like, here, there's a contract to be running the rugby championship till 2025. Mm. Um Australians went, okay, this is not a bad idea. We definitely do want to join. Um, I will point out that the income generated by Super Rugby from South Africa outweighs every other country combined. So losing South Africa is a huge thing. So it's this idea, it would be like we're cricket fans who listen to this podcast and have no context. It's like literally if every uh, if we if a country like Australia kept kept going, oh leave then India, don't play cricket with us India, don't, and then India went okay we won't, and then they're like no, what have we done? Yeah, because Except, you know it's less like no, what have we done? More of a yeah, I know you're gonna leave. It's fine. we have to figure it out. It's not gonna work now. You know yeah. the divorce has happened has at happened. this point. It was always a bit of a rocky thing because South Africa, they say, they provided most of the funds, but they yeah. were getting balanced out by the All Blacks and the Wallabies' legacy and and their prestige. So it was yeah. very much a you keep giving the you keep staying in the Super Rugby stuff so that New Zealand and Australia can have the money from the South African and European audiences, and we'll keep you win the rugby championship so you keep playing New Zealand and Australia so you have the prestige you know feel confident but you get the playoffs yeah. and yeah. that was the balance and then yeah COVID and everything sort of just has thrown yeah. that all into a bit of a a big part I mean there was hissy fits of sorts starting before that because there was they had been expanding the Super Rugby and then they contracted down the 15 teams which caused Australian rugby with the Western Force being dropped out, having a Western Force having a massive hissy fit about it, which was very fair for their hissy fits. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then also some of the South African uh, teams leaving. Let's be honest, going, nobody so, in yeah. Melbourne gives a shit about the Rebels. People yeah. in Perth love going to the Force. Like the yeah. Force are the one of the best, hottest tickets in town in Perth, and people love going there. Yeah. Uh, versus literally, like, nobody... There could be fewer shits given about a team like the uh, Victoria Rebels, that, but yeah, I exactly. haven't seen one. Yeah. Look, no, the was... Storm win shit. This is why people in Melbourne care about the Storm. The, yeah. The Rebels don't. Like, no. that's just blunt. Yeah, yeah. It, that is exactly it. Like, it was a... 
vaguely weird decision not to include yeah. the force. Um, well, yeah, to include the rebels, but not include the force. Uh, because... I know why they included the rebels. Melbourne is Australia's second largest city, and oh, yeah. if rugby's not viable in Melbourne, yeah. like you know, you're not getting the most out of the Australian economy. I mean, all of those reasons I understand. In the end of the day, it was still a dumb decision. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. It's still like, well, the in the break of all this, New Zealand rugby seemed to get this great angel investor. Which caused Australian rugby with the Western Force being dropped out, having a Western Force having a massive hissy fit about it, which was very fair for their hissy fits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then also some of the South African uh, teams leaving. Let's be honest, going, nobody so, in yeah. Melbourne gives a shit about the Rebels. People yeah. in Perth love going to the Force. Like the yeah. Force are the one of the best, hottest tickets in town in Perth, and people love going there. Yeah. Uh, versus literally, like, no, but there could be fewer shits given about a team like the uh, Victoria Rebels, that, but yeah, I exactly. haven't seen one. Yeah. Look, no, the was... Storm win shit. This is why people in Melbourne care about the Storm. The, yeah. The Rebels don't. Like, no. that's just blunt. Yeah, yeah. It, that is exactly it. Like, it was a vaguely weird decision. Not to include yeah. the force. Um, well, yeah, to include the rebels, but not include the force. Uh, because... I know why they included the rebels. Melbourne is Australia's second largest city, and oh, yeah. if rugby's not viable in Melbourne, yeah. like you know, you're not getting the most out of the Australian economy. I mean, all of those reasons I understand. In the end of the day, it was still a dumb decision. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's still like, well, the in the break of all this, New Zealand rugby seemed to get this. Great angel investor pool. But, yeah, the latest deal... I think when we were talking about it, we looked at the New Zealand Players... Rugby Players Association deal and we're like... We really liked it. Yeah, we're like, that's a great deal. Like, this this is something that grows the game, that that provides future. Um, And... Actively is a good way to keep players playing in New Zealand because they have an actual stake, like a financial stake, uh, a real financial stake to staying here and like secure their future and things like this. And like, it's uh, definitely and still makes means that, you know, like in terms of competing for talent, like you New Zealand rugby players can actually think about like, you know, would we... I uh, can strongly compete with NRL money when yeah. you're like a young foot high school athlete in Auckland, Wellington, Gisborne, or Canterbury, whether you decide to go play for your local league club or your local union club, you know, you're an athlete, you know, you've kind of decided to try and pursue this athletic path as, at, you know, 12, 13, and you're yeah. kind of good at both codes because, you know, you're an at- big athletic 12, 13-year-old who's, you know, and getting the good side of puberty. And, yeah. why, and you know, there's almost there was almost really no reason to pick rugby other than nationalistic pride because uni- a league paid you better from a younger age and had way less restrictions on what you could do. And you could always just come back and play union if you really wanted to. Yeah later on i mean some of those less restrictions have turned up in papers more often with league and nrl um, yeah over the last few years so that's i mean new zealand rugby you, you may see that as a positive that they've been pretty tight on those things because it's fairly rare to get a, a union player 
splashed across the front pages because of some indiscretion or stupidity they've done. I was more meaning like you're not expected to go and play for your school and things like that. You have yeah. to. You could just go play for your club and it's not a problem and you can be doing, earning professional money and things like that. Whereas yeah, the yeah. rugby union is very strong. You know, go do your high school stuff, do this because it needs to feed to our system. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. It sort of all flows the same thing in that the union is very structured and this is what you yeah. do and you go there and go there. But it's also very, this is, if you're not doing that and if you're not following this and you're not being this person over here that we need you to be, then you are cut free. Whilst in union, yeah, it's more freer, you can do what you want, but it also leads to that you know, the flip side of it. A league, sorry, and league, you can, so that freer, you can do what you want, but it leads to this, the issues that they have, which is having a lot more um, indiscretions happening. I mean, I'll be, let's be fair on that. With the indiscretions, it mostly happens in Sydney and Melbourne, yeah. um, sometimes Brisbane. So it's a lot of these players getting paid at a young age. But also, realistically, that there's less things in New Zealand to get you in trouble for. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there was a bit of that as well. <laughs> that, um, like... No disrespect to my countrymen, like, you know, there's less people in New Zealand than all of Sydney, just as a yeah. comparison. Secondly, the press and the police, and they don't take an active effort to try and suppress a lot of the worst behavior of New Zealand rugby players, because we hear about, like, the impression foreign fans have about New Zealand rugby players and what the press goes over there. We almost sometimes hear nothing about it over here, like, it's yeah. almost censored by our papers. Like in a, you know, like it's almost, it's like one of the big grand conspiracies in New Zealand. Like, so, whereas like the same, that, that would never happen in Australia. Like if a rugby player is big enough in Australia, like also like the, uh, the people who tend to get splashed on these papers are, you know, they're people from, you know, working class backgrounds, whatever ethnicity they might be work. First time they have access to a lot of money and like attention, not sure what to do about it. Whereas most rugby union players in Australia are rich from rich families going to private school, you know, like they're they're not in that same situation in that. So that's, it's less about the structures and league as more of a, you know, the really the socioeconomic well, conditions of both countries. Yeah. Oh no, there's definitely lots of factors in. I'm just one of the things I, I feel, at whether and it's a contributing factor. It's not the overriding factor. It's just to me, union will provide better support structures around younger players as they come through. Whilst league in some states in some stages can get a bit lost in the, the sports structures. Yeah. Um, and a bit of that is that union tries to keep young people in their area. So if they were going to school in Auckland and growing up in Auckland, they try and keep them there until they're old enough before then they start moving to Christchurch or something. And as you say, it, that even makes it even less likely. So you go into from the one city where perhaps there is enough vice to get into real trouble to, you know, Dunedin or where the students are already, or the locals are posing as students to um, cause more yeah. trouble than whatever the rugby players are going to do. Whilst in Australia, yeah. you know, that's, if you, especially with league, you're moving to one of the many Sydney clubs. Um, yeah. And you're going to have problems in Sydney because there's lots in there. It's more likely. But I also feel yeah. that the support structures don't 
don't exist in the same way. So they sort of just... Or doesn't oh, you... it really exist for people coming in from another country a lot of times or mm-hmm. like from an outside? Like if you're... A pet, like for example, you're joining the Penrith Panthers on a big contract. Unless you were someone playing in one of Penrith's feeder clubs down the systems in the local competition, where they would look after you. If you're coming in from, oh, I was like a country boy, uh, and I played really well in district league, and like I got spotted and scouted late, or from yep. New Zealand in the same situation, sort of thing, um, or Papua New Guinea, or any other, you know, any other place that's not the rigid structure. There is less of a thing to help you because by the time you might get to Penrith, they're like, you're a 21-year-old. Is it really appropriate for us to treat you like a teenager? Like, you know, they're also in that position where, yeah, yeah. is it appropriate for us to make all these rules that treat you like school children, where, you know, primary school children and, uh, you know. But Union where, does that. That's yeah. what I mean, is that if you go to the Crusaders... Or if you go to the Blues or wherever you're going, they yeah. do have those those support structures and stuff in place. Um, and not to pick on your analogy, on your example, but Penrith is probably the worst one, so I'm pretty sure they actually have those structures as well. I know the Warriors do. Um, yeah. For better or worse, yeah. the Warriors management. specifically do have those structures in place. Yeah. Warriors do as well. Yeah. But not a lot of Sydney clubs because they might not have to. No. It's, yeah, it's the inner city Sydney ones that seem to be innerish city ones that seem to be the worst for it um, and it tends to be just as say people get given a lot of money and sort of let loose yeah and what's going to happen you know yeah 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 i mean it's similar it happens all over the world in professional sport like in yeah. different contexts um now with this like money coming in from silver lake the Basically, everybody was told it was a good... Like, the way the media always takes the player, like, the rugby union side, every time. Every time there's any argument between the rugby union and somebody else, and whatever that uh, whatever that person might be, like, you can argue all you want about... You can insult the prime minister, you can insult the leader of the opposition, you can say terrible things about the monarch nowadays. You cannot besmirch the reputation of New Zealand rugby in New oh, Zealand. Oh, no. Like, no, no, no. And I'm not being sarcastic here. Like, the media will come down on you hard. The old school media. I don't know what it's like on social media because I don't live on Twitter anymore and I don't do other socials and especially do not tweet about uh, rugby or look for tweets about rugby. Um, yeah, yeah. But I can't help but wonder if a lot of people who type in the comment section of stuff and other newspapers are not paid by the New Zealand Rugby Union or by stuff themselves to yeah. promote the position of the New Zealand Rugby Union just because they want that gains traction. And, like, it's one of those things because I don't think any of the things the players were saying were unreasonable. But I think no. some of the objections to it were incredibly unreasonable. Things like, why are the players saying stuff? I mean, because it's their career and livelihood. Of course yeah. they're going to say stuff. What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> like, yeah. oh, How they're dare just they employees. have an opinion? No, they're not. We've been through this. You're an entertainment industry. They're the talent. They're yeah. the talent. Yeah, no gold is... mine makes gold without gold. You know? Yeah, exactly. You're, you think... you're a talent mine. They're the talent. Yeah. What, are, what do they think they were selling? You know? What is 
being brought. Look, like you can have the best CEOs, the best administrators, the best coaches. None of us pay money, pay money to watch them do their job. Yeah, like absolutely exactly. none of us. No. Sure, those guys help to make the people who we watch do a job better, and they should be. But at the end of the day, that is what we pay for. It is their talent that is the commodity you are selling. Yeah. So they're never just employees in any in any entertainment industry. The people who are putting themselves out there to be viewed by the public, especially in this day and age where they're um where what they do is so publicly scrutinized by everybody, they uh uh, you know, they're the ones putting their commodity. Yeah, you know, they're the ones putting themselves out there for you to earn money. Yeah, but say we covered this in a lot, lot more detail yeah. in the previous podcast. Um, if you disagree, that's fine. You're just yeah. wrong. That's <laughs> exactly. all I have to say about that. But yes, but the new deal definitely, um, I think, brings that balance back in. So, I think you had a good point when we were talking about it earlier, where uh, you know, the New Zealand Rugby Union in the first negotiation round were like, oh, money, yay! And the Players Union was like, or Players Association was like, no, no, we need to play a little bit of hardball here. And actually negotiated with Silver Lake. And Silver Lake was like, hmm, actual negotiations, we respect you. And there was actually a good deal signed all around. I think, things. to be, I'm not, I did not think there was any bad faith actions from no. Silver Lake, by the way. And if Oh no no no! I haven't re-listened to the podcast I said recently, but I did say that they're behaving like a commercial entity, yes, and they're behaving the way a normal commercial entity. They're not lying. They're not misrepresenting the facts. They're going. This is the deal, because yeah. very publicly, people from the rugby union went on and on about how this is not a cash cow deal. But nobody from Silver Lake said those words. No. <laughs> You have to. Uh, so, there's no disrespect for me for Silver Lake, and they are an experienced entity in dealing with uh, sport. You know, investing in sport and getting helping sports teams maximize their you know income and things yeah, like that. Like got, they did this with Manchester City. Yeah, exactly. They've got a was it ninety billion dollars of assets. Yeah, and, that's and not sports-related portfolio. So. Yeah. Yeah. So these are people who know what they're doing, and they, yeah. and they're willing to be flexible and figure out a deal that'll work with the people. Like clearly, they believe the commercial rights and the image rights for the uh, involved with New Zealand rugby are worth something, and it's yeah. worth, and it can be, and a lot more income can be generated than it is now because otherwise you're not investing into it. It's a chance to invest a little and grow something really big, and then reap the rewards from it. That's usually what Silver Lake does. Yeah. And I'm not saying the previous model would not have trickled down some money to the New Zealand Rugby Union and things like this. Um, and by the way, the players were also never saying we're going to lose our autonomy and all these... Other, like, individual <laughs> players may have been saying this, which is very different to Rob Nicol, the head of the New Zealand Rugby Players Association. Yeah. And they're like, obviously we have concerns... Is different to going, oh, we're going to lose it. Like they're saying, we have, uh, and a lot of players were saying, yes, we have, we, uh, if we do this, we lose a lot of our control and things like this in the future. And that led to another negotiation before the current deal got signed, which yeah. the, um, which basically investment firms were saying, this is so heavily weighted in favor of 
the Sporting Belly versus Silver Lake, it's one of the most favorable deals we've ever seen. And I'm like, yes, by your standards. This is from an investment company standards. Like usually, if I, you and I had a startup, okay, if Mark Zuckerberg came in and said, hey, billion dollars, what do you want? We would make a very favorable deal to him because we're expecting a billion dollars. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. but I, if that's if we had a, but you know, rugby, you see, rugby is not a startup. No, you know? they're not. Right. And it's not. And, and whilst it had a couple of bad years, like, yeah. they, as you say, they are, they were the owners of the coal mine. They have yeah. the gold and the gold yeah. mine and all the stuff they needed to mine said gold and turn yeah. it into something. So it wasn't as though they... And the value of gold hadn't changed yet. It's just that everything's value had changed. Yeah. And it was just a bit uncertain about how long that value would change for. Yeah. And yes. there was... And I think the new model sort of allows for this better. It was always a, a case of they should be not should be making the deal such that it was providing the the growth opportunities. Yeah, you know, how is this going yeah. to make sure that you know the game's going to grow, not just survive but grow? And I think whilst the first model didn't necessarily stop that happening, as you say, there's no one saying it wasn't going to happen. It was just there were some concerns and some questions around, well, exactly how is this happening? It's not clear. And it appears mm. in the newer deal, they've A, hammered that out a bit. They've shown the separation between the commercial interests and how that's been addressed and who's got says into that. So the New Zealand Players Association gets say into it. New Zealand Rugby Union has say into that. So the the commercial side's all nicely signed up and that's kept separate from the the rugby bit and the, the sporting bit and the actual strategic direction of the All Blacks as a entity, which I think is, is, is good in how it's done. Yeah. And they've also incorporated the Players Association's ideal of some, you know, the 5%-ish in the end um, state that New Zealanders can buy into it. So later in the year, they're floating, was it between 60 and 100 million? Yeah. That... New Zealanders can buy into, and that is um, backed by Silver Lake. So what happens if it doesn't sell, then Silver Lake will will absorb that cost as such. Well, they'll sort of buy it. I'm not sure exactly how that works, but they'll they'll buy it and keep it aside for investments in the future. So the initial float can't fail. It'll always be that. It's just if you want to buy into it, you can buy into it. Otherwise, Silver Lake holds that as a separate entity over there for yeah. New Zealanders to buy into. Yeah. For further capitalization, should yeah. they need it and whatnot. I mean, it seems like a really good plan, like a viable commercial plan that'll actually benefit all the parties and future-proofing a lot of things. Yeah. Obviously, there's a, things can change and whatnot, and we all know rugby's in a precarious state. So, But Silver Lake clearly seems to think that it's got legs to grow, I think especially in the United States. And maybe yeah. gen- more generally in North America, um, obviously it's grow like this game in South America has grown a lot, um, and then it's got like Asia and eventually Africa as well to spread into, um, yeah. like the Southern Hemisphere, Europe, uh, South Africa to a degree. They're already matured markets, right? There's no more margins. They're already all realized. Yeah. Like, yeah, you don't op- like. 
if you've watched the movie Lord of War, which is about Nicolas Cage and starring stars Nicolas Cage and Jared Leto, and they play like arms dealers, international illegal arms dealers. All right, yeah. One of the things he opens up with is he realizes selling guns is ex- is lucrative because there's always a need for violence. And his uh, his brother's like, do we open a gun store? He's like, look, they're already more common than McDonald's in this country. Like, why would we do that? <laughs> We have to get guns to places where there's no guns. Now, yeah. obviously, I don't condone that philosophy. Um, <laughs> but the idea is, like, you grow rugby where there isn't already rugby. Or, like, there's le- not as much rugby and you can – there's more opportunity. Like, the low-hanging fruit is there yeah, yeah. to improve. Like, you get every su- every success story, like a, a Georgia, a Japan, an Argentina, and Italy. They're good for the game. That makes everybody well, more well-off. Um, like the so I there's like I I do think that the with the deal, especially if eventually you Silver Lake comes up with a similar sort of agreement with Australia, mm. and then maybe however the new structure of Sansar goes on, because the future is weird. We don't yeah. know if we're gonna continue. Like it's been put on the table to have that trans hemisphere competition again. I, I don't see that happening. 2025, South Africa have committed to the rugby championships, but said nothing about it after. Sanzar yeah. have offered to move the rugby championships to coincide with the Northern Hemisphere season. And I wonder about that. With, like Now that cricket and rugby play roughly all the time, like cricket plays all the time, we... I don't think as a cricket fan, I'd be too worried about rugby season being at the same time as cricket season. No. Um, but the other side of that is, what is the future of rugby in New Zealand if it's essentially a summer game as opposed to a winter game? And like also, or or are we going to be in a situation where we play our club competition in winter, but do... Uh, do something else in summer. It's going to be interesting, basically. Yeah, yeah. Once we know, but if it's on at the same time, it means Argentina and South Africa's players can play in the rugby championship without having to worry about the, uh, you know, their clubs saying no, um, and these windows and things can be protect. Uh, these windows can be protected for everybody, hopefully. Um, now, even with all that, South Africa might still not want to continue with the rugby championship. The flip side of that is the clubs all over Europe, not just England, absolutely oppose the expansion of the Six Nations. Yeah. And that is a that is something I know for a fact. I don't know whether they kick Italy out and take South Africa in. I mean, is there a precedent for that? Um if you're not expanding it, like also where does Argentina go in that situation? So I think in the end, um, Sanzar will shift it for Argentina's sake. And I think that's, that would be a good outcome because then we yeah. can basically combine that international window for um, New Zealand, for the Southern and Northern Hemisphere. And it also maybe would allow Japan to join into the rugby championships as well. Yeah. Um. So it becomes more of a trans... The Southern Hemisphere becomes more of a Pacific competition and the Northern Hemisphere more of an Atlantic yeah, competition. Yeah, yeah. So you have an Atlantic conference and a Pacific conference. Which would make um, a lot of sense. Yeah. And the the idea here, um, 
going forward, it could, you know, the uh, it would still be interesting, but there's still issues, right? If South Africa don't like, I don't. New Zealand and Australia are not kicking South Africa for the rugby championships. That's just not going to happen. No. Um, but if the Springboks only decide to play in the Northern Hemisphere, and let's assume they expand it to seven teams for now, uh, as for argument's sake, um, does that mean what happens when hypothetically South Africa wins five in a row, Grand Slam wise? Because with all due respect, South Africa has gonna have gonna be the most populous of those countries eventually. Like yeah. at the moment, it has I think sixty million people, which is the population of the entire UK. Yeah. Um, and then you are probably going to, uh, they're pro. I believe South Africa is gonna experience get into the hundred million people mark in twenty thirty twenty forty. All right, yeah. But don't quote me on that. Like, may not be 2030 because that's only eight years away. Um, they're not getting 40 million in eight years, but you know, maybe 2050. Yeah, yeah. Um, sort of things just from immigration from the rest of Africa and things like that. Um, so obviously huge numbers of eyeballs and also like so commercial opportunities in Africa, um, which is you know what the continent that's going to experience a lot of population growth um, this century, and we assuming demographic models hold and yeah. the um the uh South African market could easily dominate like South Africa already has a better rugby culture than any of the northern hemisphere countries I'm sorry yeah, like yeah. in terms of sport and producing talent and getting like just they were better than those countries when they only picked from 2% of their population now they're able <laughs> to pick from 100% of their population yeah. um and I still feel like in England and to a degree France, it's still a rara boys sport. People are all from public schools. Yeah. I'm sure South Africa was a bit like that, um, but it's expanded a lot more uh, in, in the townships. And a bit unlike, like obviously is South African rugby has had its own controversies with race relations but nowhere mm. near the level of cricket yeah. like for a while the cricket community in south africa were literally going about oh but what about rugby how come we get the criticism all the time but rugby doesn't and then you know they're like look we have an actual black captain who won the world cup and like a team you know most of the teams have players and like the systems are in place for people in the townships to go and play and like earn opportunities to play rugby and the, the whereas like cricket is not in South Africa from what I understand is basically the private school yeah. uh, network that uh, produces all the talent um, and that's also to a large extent the I think the situation in Zimbabwe um, some to a certain uh, whereas it's not like that in Australia or New Zealand like you know yeah yeah there's like, you know, like very few countries have the relationship with cricket that Australia does. As much as I agree that, you know, cricket is a religion in India, there was never a time when the captain of the Indian cricket team was the most po powerful person in the country. Which, yeah. you know, that's what people used to say about the Australian captain of the cricket team. Yeah, yeah. That's a completely different, like, not saying one is more, better, or something. Less than the other, it's just a different relationship. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Uh, whereas, like, in rugby, you could arguably say the same thing about the captain of the All Blacks. Yeah. Um, in fact, that would be true for New Zealand. I don't know if that was actually, ever actually true for Australia, but it would actually be true in New Zealand. Yes, no, it would definitely be true. Well, depend a little bit on exactly what has happened in the previous World Cup. But, yeah. Yeah. Any any New Zealand rugby captain that had won a World Cup, I think they're instantly, like, people would just accept everything they say. Especially if their name's Richie McCaw and having one two on them. Yeah. But we just accept what Richie McCaw says because we know he's really good at understanding rules. That's yeah, not exactly. necessarily because of the captaincy thing, right? No, no. Well, that was why he became captaincy. Come on, understanding rules. Yeah. Uh-huh, South African Australia fans. <laughs> just leave it out there for you. <laughs> he was the best. He totally didn't cheat at all. Ever. He never cheated. He always, always. The refs were never biased. No. I mean, they all knew that he knew exactly what was happening. I, as a related note, I do have a colleague who's South African, who's pretty much grew up in New Zealand, like you know, moved here when he was eight, and but he's like obviously a hardcore Springbok fan. And I asked him, like, is are is are the All Blacks your second team? He said, I couldn't make, I couldn't bear to have the All Blacks as my second team till Richie McCaw retired. And I'm like, that's a completely acceptable and understandable situation to be in. It is, it really is. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is a good deal for New Zealand rugby. But I couldn't make, I couldn't bear to have the All Blacks as my second team till Richie McCaw retired. And I'm like, that's a completely acceptable and understandable situation to be in. It is, it really is. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is a good deal for New Zealand rugby. Till Richie McCaw retired. And I'm like, that's a completely acceptable and understandable situation to be in. It is, it really is. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so this is a good deal for New Zealand rugby. So this is the the immediate problems. Like, they've sorted the money situation out. Um. The second issue is obviously Super Rugby and mm. what's going on. Like, we've already had some games that are being um, uh, postponed due to, I believe, COVID reasons. Yeah. It's the same reasons that um, sort of played, like, the EPL earlier in the season. Um, yeah. With just players having, having and... COVID and not being able to play. Everyone to... is playing each other at least uh, is playing each other once. Is that right, or is every? Uh, or... I think whilst the um, border restrictions are in, the two conferences are playing each other twice. Right. I think. I think. But they oh, are the moment to is, have a uh, crossover at some is, point. And explain it to. I mean, obviously, we have the five traditional Australian franchises, the uh, Brumbies, Reds, Waratahs, uh, Force, and Rebels. Yep. Um, and we have the five New Zealand franchises, the Blues, the Chiefs, the Hurricanes, the Crusaders, and the Highlanders. And yep. you have two 
two uh, two teams from the Pacific, the Fijian yep. Drua and the Moana Pacific. Yep. I know Moana Pacific are basically based in New Zealand. They're in the New Zealand Conference. Would that it's be correct? They're in the New Zealand Conference, yes, and they're based and in... Fiji, and the Adelaide. Fiji one is in the Australian Conference. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. And so, yeah, Moana Pacific is based out of South Auckland. I think they're playing at Mount Smart. Um, and that's their Good home choice. base, which is a great choice. I think originally they were looking to base out of Samoa and Tonga and, and have joint home games. Like, um, I think that's not viable for at least... Now, because Samoa and Tonga are still being very careful, rightfully, yeah. about COVID uh, and yeah. I mean, the that situation was the, in the country. The original, original theory, that's where, what they wanted to do. But yes, with COVID and um, those things, so, you know, they've made the very smart decision that actually South Auckland's the best place for them. And so that's where they based themselves out of for the foreseeable future. Who uh, are based in Sydney or are they also based in Auckland? Uh, the Drua are based up in Suva. Um, so in they're based Suva. out of okay. Fiji. So they're playing, a th- and I'm not 100% sure, but I'm pretty sure they're playing matches there. Uh, okay, that's excellent for them because, because they'll have yeah. their home fans. Yeah, yeah, so they've got a... Yeah. Not, don't quote me on that because I'm not 100% on the Australian and, side of things. So I may be Yeah, and the Drua have won a game, and to nobody's surprise, it was against the Rebels because, as I said... They're not very good. Um, Exactly. Exactly. um, So at the moment, because it's it's a weird table, we have teams that have played as few as two games with the Moana Pacific, and we have teams that have got to the full five. Um, The Brumbies lead the table, and they've uh, they've basically played everybody in their conference at least once. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's um, useful to point out that all these games at the moment are just in their own conference. So, the, yeah, there yeah. hasn't been any cross cross bit yet. So it also changes the dynamics a bit when you know, the Brumbies are only beating the other Australian teams and haven't played the Crusaders or the Blues um, or the Hurricanes yeah. on yet. So, well, the we will find out how good the Brumbies actually are when they actually get to face because they get to play the Force. Um, uh, this weekend, and the Reds uh, next weekend, and then the Drua the weekend after that. Uh, then that, uh, and it looks like after they get a bye week, and they will play the Highlanders on the twenty fourth of April. Yeah, so I think so, yeah, that weekend after Easter, yeah, the twenty second to the twenty fourth is when they're scheduled. Well, that's when the um borders all back open so that they can start playing across borders again. So yeah, that's when all the cross-conference stuff starts. Yeah. I mean, they're playing everybody at the end. They play the Blues. Yeah, uh, I can very easily see the Brumbies get something like 10 wins, sweep their conference, and lose to every New Zealand team. Yeah. And that just might be me being an arrogant New Zealand rugby fan, but yeah, that's what history says. Yes, traditionally that's what happens. Is that the Australians, yeah, the Brumbies or the Waratahs or the Reds, one of them does well, wins everything in their side, and then come over and lose to at least three of the New Zealand sides, more than likely four, and maybe beat whichever side in New Zealand's being bad that year. 
Um, yeah. And, Which and... will probably be the Blues. Well, I haven't looked this year, but... I know, they've, they've got they've got a 2-in-1 record out of three games. It's not yeah. too bad. And the Crusaders have lost already to your beloved Chiefs. Yeah. Um, well, the Highlanders have lost 4-from-4, four four, so I think that's um, perhaps where things are going badly on the New Zealand side. Um, not including the rugby the hipsters Pacific. are all going to be upset. Yeah, that's not including the Pacifica. Um, yeah, as you said, uh, we don't expect the Pacifica to do too well in their first year, unfortunately, no. and they're in the tougher division, unfortunately for them. Yeah, yeah. By a so, long shot, they're in the tougher division. So it will be interesting for them when they start to pay play across as well, um, and see how that goes. And, and. If the Moana Pacifica also beat every Australian team, you've got problems. Yeah. I don't expect that to happen, but yes, they would definitely have problems there. Um, but as you say, potentially the um, the Rebels and and maybe the Force. Though the Force, you know, the Force are two and three, so that's it's not too bad. But see where that goes. Um, Interesting will be the Juro versus Moana Pacifica as well, which will be. But the most important date on the calendar is that. So, uh, it looks like the Chiefs. I mean, one loss was against the Blues. So yeah. Yeah. All is right with the world. <laughs> well, Look, I've I've already given up on beating the Crusaders, but you know, <laughs> making sure we don't lose to the Chiefs is important as a Blues uh, fan. Yeah, we, we have to, to hold our... on to things. We get to have our revenge on the ninth. We're down in Hamilton, so yeah, maybe a one and one. It'd be interesting there. It could well be a one and one, but I'm not seeing when we're go- when the Blues are supposed to play the Crusaders. Oh, so that's the match that's been postponed. Yeah, tough. And the when are the when were the Crusaders supposed to come up to Auckland? Uh, must be. That match was supposed to be in Crusaders country. Um, yeah. I'm sure Christchurch because, you know, it's the Blues. Um, <laughs> yeah. With all due respect to the other parts of Crusader country, they're not going to play that game in Nelson or Blenheim. It does, yeah, it doesn't look like there is a second one for that. So I'm not 100% sure how they've. Um, yeah. <laughs> Done because the Blues Highlanders play twice in three weeks. So they played before the postponement and they're playing after the postponement. And then Moana Pacifica and Blues play week in the twenty you know, in a couple of weeks and then play again the week after that. So I'm sure there's some rhyme to this um, to these games, but I would suspect that a little bit of that is having to filling games because of the borders yeah. and trying to shuffle something together yeah. so it's something resembling a, a competition. A competition. Yeah. Right. Well, we'll see how it plays out. Um, at this stage, I think it's supposed to be two teams from each conference that play a semi-final and final. Would that be right? Uh, that's my understanding of it. That's very so, likely to be a Reds and Brumbies from the Australian side. and Yeah. Either the Crusaders and the uh, the Crusader Crusaders are probably going to be one of them, and it looks like the Chiefs at the second one. But the Blues and the Hurricanes are only a game behind with a game, you know, because they have a 
they haven't played that game. Yeah. Uh, mind you, one of those games for the Blues is the Crusaders. Um, and they've already lost to the Hurricanes. So, yeah, it's always competitive in the New Zealand division. It's, yeah. just, it's just the way it is. Exactly. It's always a bit yeah hard there trying to... It'll, it might them. come down to point differentials, unfortunately, for the Moana Pacifica and the Highlanders. I see there is a... There is an extra knockout round, so it's the qualifiers, then the semi-final. The qualifiers, one, two, three, four, five, six. So it looks like there's a quarter-final round. So there may be um, four and four, so that may make it a little bit easier. And then from there it goes to If the it's four and four, then I think we know the New Zealand teams, right, at this point. Yeah. yeah. Like, they're there. And they're going to play Australian opposition in the next round? Like, is that even fair? <laughs> Well, they get to go play them round anyway, so um, yeah, yeah. It's, it comes down to the point of yeah, for the top four um, New Zealand teams not losing to any silly things out of uh, or any um, games they really shouldn't. Maybe yeah. the the Brumbies and the Waratahs, maybe or the Reds, like probably the Reds more than the Waratahs at the moment, but. I I, get your points on the board. Get your points on the board. Hope you don't face a New Zealand team in the knockouts. That's just going to be. Heck, the Highlanders might even make it if they manage to get a few wins, but maybe not enough. Eh, It'll be interesting. Uh, The. So this is right, the yes. thing. What is the future with the, the Super Rugby, though? Because Argentina at the moment have their amateur competition. Right. Unfortunately, the Jaguars take, are... Sorry, just take back a, a step. It is going to be a straight table. There's no Australia, New Zealand, so it's top eight. Go through yeah, the quarters. that's what I figured from the... Yeah. Sorry, I, yeah. Sort of clarify that. Um, yeah, mm. and everybody... Teams play eight teams once and three teams twice with a focus on the three teams twice as a focus on derby matches. Apparently, Blues Crusaders didn't count as a... As a All right, as so a the biggest derby. rivalry in Super Rugby doesn't count. Fair enough. They're yeah. not, that's not a derby. No. <laughs> Why do local. they do such dumb stuff? I don't get it. Because they're not next to each other, for, so that doesn't count for some reason. Despite the fact they say, yeah, like, yeah. the biggest rivalry... Over the yeah, course there of might have... all of New Zealand rugby history. Yeah, back in the day, maybe the Bulls Sharks rivalry was bigger, but no, like the Blues Crusaders rivalry is the biggest rivalry well, in Super Rugby. Yeah, and, I'll just and then to... followed by the Chiefs Blues rivalry. Yeah, I would go Auckland Canterbury in any form. In yeah, New Zealand rugby is the biggest rugby. Rivalry there. And sure, the Blues and the Crusaders are not Canterbury and Auckland anymore, but it's the same thing. It's basically the same thing. And for for whatever reason, the Chiefs don't have that same antipathy with uh, Canterbury that Auckland does. Um, Like the Chiefs Chiefs and Hurricanes, yeah, that's a derby. And the Chiefs and Blues, that's a derby. Fair. Completely fair. Figure something out for their third match. Yeah. Um, Highlanders, Crusaders, is that a derby? Fine. I mean, I don't think the Crusaders fans think that. Hurricanes fans, like, but the 
sorry, Crusaders. Every New Zealand team thinks Crusaders are their rivals, but we all know <laughs> their one true rival is us, the Blues. Yes. And you have. And the Hurricanes. You can also the all their side rivals, okay? We're their real rival. We're the wife. And I think the Highlanders, or at least Otago, is Highlanders is being pretty close to that from a Crusaders fan's point. Um, because it's the other South Titans one. So I, yeah, perhaps that's you, more Big Brother, Little Brother sort of situation where they're your rival. Okay, I, as a big I'm brother, sure Highlanders rivals, fans... But... Yeah, I'm sure Highlanders fans will take it as their local rival. But like also the Highlanders and the Blues play for the Gordon um trophy. What's his name? The late who was the coach for both of those teams. Ah. So there is a rivalry there because there's a trophy that's played between the two teams. Yeah. And so basically the the Blues, the rivals realistically are the Highlanders, the Crusaders and the Chiefs. Yeah. Like that's it. Like uh, the for the Hurricanes, sure, you can go Chiefs, you can go Blue. If they pick Blues, I'm like, really, really? No, but it's sure, the... Wellington and Auckland have a rivalry, but it's not the same as the Hurricanes and the Blues having a rivalry. Yeah, so the Blues got the doubles, got Highlanders, Moana Pacific, and the Chiefs. Um, so yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, fair enough. If they wanted, obviously, Moana Pacifica have to find local rivals, yeah. and that's fair. I th- I think fair for them to have the Blues in that. Especially since they're basing themselves out of South Auckland, like events. Yeah, yeah. Got, yeah. But, but Moana Pacifica to have Oc- for both for them to have both uh, the Blues and the Chiefs as rivals absolutely makes sense, and also probably Wellington. Like that, that would mean to me the logical rivals for them. Yeah. The uh take it, they got they got Chiefs, Blues and Hurricanes. So yeah, so Wellington. So. Yeah, that that makes sense. That's hundred percent hundred percent makes sense. If this is a thing that's in here because they had to fit in Moana Pacifica, yeah, fair. And also like I think you have to keep that thing going with the Highlanders, that's fine. It's just yeah. dumb. Like it's 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 a dumb I understand that it's just the compromise, but it's the dumbest compromise because the yeah. fact that Auckland is supposedly not the rival of the Crusaders or a derby match. Yeah. Uh, that's like the dumbest thing ever. That's the North oh. Island South Island derby match. Especially since the Crusaders got Chiefs twice. Like, <laughs> I'm not not a problem to me. I like that's fine. But yeah, even I, as a Chiefs fan, would go well if you're gonna have a somebody up this way. That's the double uh, the the rival such for the Crusaders it should have been the Blues. But I guess. A little bit of the fixtures and and working out. It was it there. Wasn't that the it was... Crusaders did lose back to back finals to the Chiefs. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there is there is that there. We're um, only one and one with the Crusaders, right? We they lo- they beat us up here in Auckland, and we went down uh, at once, and then we won again in two thousand and three with Oreni Ie and Carlos Spencer. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to yeah. Carlos Spencer. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, but yeah, I, to give yeah the competition, the Super Rugby competition, fair dues. Like, it's not that they're saying these are are all only rival matches. They're just, yeah. That was their their focus. If we're gonna do one, we're gonna do that. It's just it's it yeah. it weird that Crusaders Blues wasn't one of them. But yeah, I guess you know you've got to balance out. Um, 
competition needs and scheduling needs and all this other stuff into it as well. Yeah, yeah. And I guess you're also maybe hoping that the two of them get to a semi-final, even a final berth. And so you maybe don't want to overload it by having three games the whole season yeah. with them. Like it, the the second game is the is the the knockout game that matters. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll see how that goes. The since the um, reintroduction of Super Rugby the Crusaders, since Al- Super Rugby Aotearoa, and then like it's the iterations that happened since then, it's always the Crusaders have won every competition, haven't they? The Crusaders just won every competition, full stop. But um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think... Because before COVID, wasn't the last one won by the Highlanders, I want to say? Like, I know the Crusaders are the winningest team in Super Rugby history. Yeah, like, yeah. that's that's a given. They've won 10 titles. Um, yeah. Uh, 2019 no, was, was the Crusaders. No, it was still Crusaders. Crusaders, Crusaders. Highland- Hurricanes was 2016. Highlanders the year before that. Then that's the right. Chiefs Chiefs. So yeah, the three before COVID were all Crusaders. Three in a row for the Crusaders yeah. and But they the hadn't won Ch- before. Jaguars that. had made the finals, so that's yeah. It's a pity Last... that they couldn't be kept, but I think there that is the long term plan for Sanzar, I'm sure, to have Argentina meaningfully rejoin the Southern Hemisphere rugby fold. Yeah, exactly. I mean, sure South Africa, the ship may have sold, but maybe eventually the Sunwolves and the Jaguars come back. Yeah, yeah, it'd be good to have them both back. So, I'm, yeah, hopeful for more expansion around the Pacific. Yeah, maybe a Canadian or American team in as well. Yeah. So it's interesting that the uh, South Africa... Uh, version of Super Rugby, which uh, uh, was played in 2020, called Super Rugby Unlocked, had a team called the Pumas. I'm like, why? There are so many freaking big cats in Africa. A puma yeah. is not one of them. <laughs> and in fact, like that is the name of like one other rugby team in yes. the world. That's not you guys. <laughs> Why would you do this? There is, yeah, that's an interesting question to be had. Like, for all you say, you could choose a big cat from Africa, but you chose one that's not, and is also the name of a rugby team, which is not you. Yeah. And it's like, hey, it's not found in your country or continent, and it's not part of, like, any heraldry that belongs in your country. Yeah. Like, there's absolutely nothing wrong with like. There's so many cat names in the leagues already. Like we've had, we have a long history of cat names from South Africa in general. So none of it would have been like you could be panthers, you could be leopards. There's already a lion. There's been a cats. There's been a cheetahs. I get you can't do them. Yeah. But like everybody else is like, there's so many other big cats. They're just all there. Oh well. Also, there's also cats you could have picked that aren't already related to Argentina, <laughs> the rugby <laughs> team. 
You if you really had to, you could have been tigers. There's no other tigers. Exactly. There's no rugby team called the Tigers. If you really wanted a big cat. <laughs> That's so weird. But the... Um... To be fair, well, slightly fair to them, apparently they were founded in 1969. So, you know, okay. it is a, a name that's been around a while. Yes, Still but not as long about... as the Argentinian rugby team. No. But, like... <laughs> Still question about why, but... Right. There's already weirdness about the fact that the Argentinians have a jaguar on their badge and they're called the Pumas. Like that. Yeah. But you know, historical accidents that happens. Like yeah. you know, and there's a reason. Like as somebody who works under pressure in media, like stuff, we know. Like the idea that a reporter just couldn't think, couldn't remember, couldn't figure out what cat that was, and knew both, and just picked one. Yeah, like, okay. They didn't know it was going to stick. Like, that wasn't like he wasn't in an official naming ceremony and they said, this is your one job. And he's like, okay. Oh, I screwed up. Like, that wasn't the situation he was in. No. <laughs> um, I mean, at, to be fair with the All Blacks, I mean, that's a, a tradition a now, almost, of historical tradition of. of mistakenly naming a, a national side something wrong. Or typos you know? or mistakes ending up being the name of national sides are a thing in rugby. Uh, that's fine. Yeah. If it's good enough for the All Blacks, it's good enough for the Pumas. Yeah, exactly. Lost Pumas. But, yeah. the um, yeah, And they didn't want to change it to Jaguars because they, like, embraced the name. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I'm sure, like, 19, that was, like, 1910, I believe, that Argentina, that the Los Pumas played their first test against England, so... Yeah. They've had it for more than 50 years before this team from South Africa. But, yeah, I'm not... It's fine for a club, but, you know, if you're going to play in a transnational competition where the other... Like, it's like if a New Zealand team had, like, one of the teams were called the Wallabies. Like, it would be weird. (laughs) There are Wallabies, though less weird, because there are Wallabies in New Zealand. (laughs) They exist here in the wild, not just in the zoos. Like, <laughs> sure, introduced from Australia, but yes, they they do just exist. So, they're 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 an introduced animal, but they exist in the wild. They they're there. Yeah. Um, but okay, that was the go. But uh, does this? Is because uh, I don't think Argentina want to have more than one team at the moment. Would that mm. be the next Argentina one, and maybe another team back try go for Japan again, or maybe a more Asian thing, maybe base it in Hong Kong, or well, maybe not Hong Kong, but yeah, maybe. I think Japan's probably the most likely place. I the think other Japan one... is the most likely place as well. The other one would be either I think we've talked about it before, maybe a Honolulu based. Um... Super Rugby, American, uh, American basically one. representing America. Yeah, I would, yeah, yeah. I would be down for that as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's what USA Rugby would want because the the home of USA Rugby seems to be Los Angeles and Chicago. Yeah. They play a lot of their games at Soldier Field, which, uh, yeah, my cousin's gone to see them because he yeah. they got free tickets. So. Um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they do because 
at the end of the day, um, I can't help but feel Australian teams are less competitive in this competition now purely because the talent pool is heavily diluted for Australia. Like, I know in reality you should get rid of the Rebels because they have no local support and the team is not very good. But, you know, financially it makes more sense to get rid of the Force. It's an extremely... This is what was going to happen when you did this, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Like... When they had three teams, Australia were strong, and they were like regularly winning Super Rugby, or the Brumbies were. So maybe this is a good, a good. Uh, to be fair, with the with after introducing the Rebels and the Force, the the Queensland Reds and the um, Waratahs managed to win Super Rugby, right? So yeah, and the Waratahs won in uh, won Super Rugby in the same year that the Blues won State of Origin. After a very, very long time. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, so, there is that. And, like, I, to be fair, if you introduce this concept of Derby games to be, like, cross-national rivalry to the Blues, would have both the Waratahs and the Crusaders as their rivals, and the Chiefs. Yeah. Those would be the three rivals for, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the Blues. Definitely. Because as much you know, that's our sister city across the Tasman. Like they are, like it doesn't yeah, no, this, matter, yeah. matter what the official thing is, but that is what it, you know. That is what it is. Um, at the very least, I, I look at it and go, "Well, it's the the shared the, history of the two cities is like inescapable. Like people yeah. who have families and from the very founding of both cities, like from the." Yeah, very founding of the European settlement of both cities, I should say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, agreed. Um, the like part of the reason we have a flag is because people in Sydney Harbour needed to know what, you know, which ships were coming from, you know, New Zealand, and like that's why like it's been around for almost, uh, almost fifty years before the Australians got their flag. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but that being said, uh the rugby competition it seems is it there there are things to be worked out and we both hope that the world game will catch up with you know, d- decide to get off its ass and actually do the things needed to fix everything. Yeah. Um and to basically make rugby like it, realistically rugby's in the position where it could be the second most popular game. Something the NBA is like, but maybe not, maybe not catch up to the uh, basketball, but very close, like, you know, very close to being third, you know? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Because you need a lot, like the amount of facilities needed to be high level basketball player, like having indoor courts and all these other things versus like, you just need a field to play rugby. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, uh, this is, this. It's no coincidence that the three, you know, those the two of the most popular games in the world are two games that are really easy to play and set up. Yes. And uh, rugby is not that far behind. No. It's, it is, yeah. I mean, to play rugby, it's fairly easily. I think the only real restriction is is more the technical 
restricted yeah. man. You can hurt yourself quite badly in rugby. Yeah, if maybe rugby sevens is, is an easier game to pick up that way. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Moving on from the union code to the newer code, rugby league. We the NRL season has started and the yeah. Warriors, even though they're definitely hundred percent making the playoffs and winning it all this <laughs> year, have come on to a poor start. Very poor start. You say I think it's it's almost time to start pulling out the line. There are mathematical chance of making the finals. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not yet. No. no, it's only two games in. So that's three games in. I think are they? Uh, no, they're two not games two. in. You're right. Um, yeah. They did lose. The Warriors did lose to two very good teams, I think. Um, the Dragons, I think, are going to be quite good this season. Yeah. And I th- and they lost to the Titans. That was a very close game. I think that game was winnable. Like, I don't know. The Titans, I'm iffy on. Like, they're usually competing with us for being a mid-table or a wooden spoon team. Yeah. On my, in most seasons. But I think... Um, the uh, Warriors will uh, at the mo- will for the mo- uh, will at the losing that game to the Titans is like ah oh, come on there's a points drop that those are those that was a w- that was a game they needed to try and win to start building a momentum the and it doesn't get much easier for them they're playing the West Tigers um, while I don't think the West Tigers are going to be that strong this season they're still going to probably at home I. They're not gonna have too many problems against the Warriors, unfortunately. I don't think. I don't think so. But we either. do get to play the tight. Uh, but we do get, and then we get to play the Broncos. But the thing is, this is supposedly a home game. It's going to be played at Redfern because I think the Warriors are still based out of Queensland. Yeah, and so it's going to be like a home game for the Broncos. Yeah, I think the Warriors are there. The, maybe July they might be back. I think was the plan, if I remember correctly. Um, yeah, I I want them to try and get as many wins as possible uh, before the we, they're able to come home. Uh, yeah. But the, it's a hard ask. I could almost see them go without uh, doing it uh, without any wins till they're able to move back to uh, Fortress Smart. Uh, yeah, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's it's a it's a Warriors Broncos game. I expect them to be fully up for it, but. Yeah, unfortunately, exactly. not go uh, do too well. But that being said, we're clearly gonna do much better next season as defending champions and start better. <laughs> yes, of course. And that's my uh, and that's my like. <laughs> <laughs> They're building a really good team at the Warriors. I think yeah. being able to play in front of home fans is definitely gonna be an up. These these boys have had shared adversity together. Um. Ron Johnson's back. All is right with the world, right? Like that's. Um, uh, I'm sure Roger Tuivasa-Shek will get sick of rugby, and he'll come back to. He'll come back to the true faith. I think so. Yeah. He'll he'll have a. I think it might be a couple of seasons with the Blues for. Uh, Artis, but I would say yeah. at some point he'll be back. Um, and that would be be good. So yeah, we're definitely. Um, I think you're right. Whilst it's a, another one of the mantras that the Warriors are building a good team, it's it is hard not to think that every year because they do get some really good players and they have really good um, 
you know, a really good team that that play well together. It's just, yeah. yeah. I know sometimes like the first game against um, the Dragons just was full of a little bit of silliness mm. and Warriors that yeah, I had yeah. game style I hadn't seen since probably the early 2000s with, you know, the random offloads and everything, which really played against them. So they just lost position. Yeah. But the Titans won there. That seemed a bit sore because they really did seem like they should have won it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that's thanks. But, but I see once again we get some rather disruptive news anyway because it looks like Reese Walsh is being courted by the the Broncos as well to go back next year. So uh, I the... hope not. I hope that doesn't happen. Obviously, but yeah, like like I always my dream is always that one day um, Ivan Cleary will go. Yeah, it's too easy winning at Penrith. Like, is it even a challenge? I'll just come on, boy. Let's go to, back to Auckland. <laughs> we liked it better in Auckland prove... anyway. Mm-hmm. We liked it better in Auckland anyway. Like we had, I as much as like to be fair, though, no, Penrith do treat him properly. I, I'm yeah, not yeah, going to say they, they love they don't love him as much as we did. They do. Like that's that would be unfair. But you know, if if uh, I've, if Ivan Cleary wants to be considered the goat of coaching ever, if he wins the premiership for Auckland, nobody will argue. No. Like, if he leads the Auckland Warriors to a premiership, he, it, he will be the goat of goat in terms of coaches. Yeah. Yeah, I think that almost counts for anybody. Whoever can actually lead the Warriors to an NFL victory and a championship, I think, deserves that title. Yeah. Like... Yeah. It's just overcoming whatever the voodoo is that's on on the Warriors. Um, but yeah, I mean, as you say, they've got a good team, it's just sorting it out. Yeah. Which will happen. Like, and now that Russians aren't allowed to invest in the Premiership anymore, maybe they'll get into Rugby League <laughs> and we'll <laughs> suddenly be able to afford... Like, there's a salary cap, so we can't like be silly and splurge money on players' salaries, but, you know... Yeah. Maybe if we give, like, Wayne Bennett, like, a $50 million a year contract, he can be convinced to move I'm to sure Auckland. We sure it wouldn't take too much to convince him. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure. Yeah. He just, yeah, likes it where he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the... Uh, with. Deshaun Watson, who moved to the Cleveland Browns. At first, they were like, I don't want to go there. It's really, really cold. It's so, so cold. And then they're like, you know that $250 million contract you have? Yep. We'll guarantee all that money. Okay, I'm going to move to Cleveland. You have a really good team, and I think we should... It's amazing how much warmth is, yeah. You know, I'll just... A lot of money can buy you. Yep, pretty much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Convince Craig Bellamy. That's who we want, right? Craig yeah, Bellamy yeah. if Cleary Ivan Cleary doesn't want to come. Yeah. I will take him. He'll be fine. <laughs> that but, probably is one of the things that is missing from the Warriors is having an actual world class coach come coach us at the moment. Um Yeah, and maybe we'll get there eventually. 
Right. So it didn't Maybe. have clear and no surprise. We did have we... Cleary, and he did all take us to the grand final, and it was amazing, but he didn't stay, unfortunately. Yeah, no. yeah as I say, no surprise when we had a world-class coach that the Warriors actually did well. Yeah. I, yeah, I think I must have long I think Daniel to... Anderson was also uh, also a good coach, and obviously he led yeah. us to a grand final as well. And then, yeah, yeah. like, another three good seasons, three yeah. very good seasons, I think, with, under uh, Dan, uh, Daniel Anderson. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's you're right. That's probably the something that's needed is maybe throw some money at a, at a decent coach and try and lure one of them, the top ones, over, and see whether that can spark at something else at the Warriors, as you say, and the very least, you know, tempting them with the take the Warriors to a grand final, win a grand final with the Warriors, cement your spot as the goat. You can. It's definitely something yeah. to be able to, to put into that argument of, well, I took the Warriors to a grand final. Did anybody else do that? No. Okay. I guess that settles that argument. Go to me. Yeah. Pretty much. And Nathan Cleary would be like a uh, Warriors legend forever. Yeah. <laughs> like you said before, it was almost that way anyway. Yeah. Or could have been. Uh, he had, An alternative... Yeah universe that's that is true yeah absolutely but it was not to be, not to be. now I don't think with we can that being him. said we have a long season to go and i am looking forward to it i'm really slowly getting into the rugby league season even though the warriors aren't doing too well um do i do think penrith are gonna end up being like if i'm being serious and not facetious if i had to pick a team that other than the warriors to win it all it's be the Panthers. Yeah. Obviously, I, because, you know, I think Jordan, Evan Cleary is the GOAT. <laughs> wow, well, he pretty much is. Um, but, I mean, they've got a, a good team. I mean, they beat the Dragons. Yeah. They beat the Sea Eagles. They smashed the Sea Eagles, actually. They smashed Manly. 28-6, first matchup. Yeah. That's a, that's a way to start your, your season. Pretty much. But yeah, I mean, you say it's only early days, so it could be interesting, but almost the main contenders are, are sitting at the top. I mean, it's Knights first, which I wouldn't call a main contender, but uh, yeah. still tend to have good teams. But you've got Panthers, Broncos, Storm, so all undefeated so far through the first two matches. Yeah. It's going to potentially be something that continues through. We'll see. I mean, they're all three really good teams. Surprisingly enough, well, not that surprising, but a little bit surprising. Seagulls sitting currently at the bottom with, you know, 0-2 record. Yeah. Actually, have done worse than the Warriors. Look at that. Them and the West. Yeah. So there's there's definitely points on offer for the um for the Warriors to get there. Uh, so yeah, yeah. I will be cautiously optimistic and then we're obviously going to get all the way to the Premier to the playoffs after we're able to play at home um, yes, exactly obviously now we move on to the third oval ball code and arguably the biggest code um, I don't think arguably even it is the biggest code um, when you when you consider viewing numbers across Australasia yeah um, the AFL season has just started and 
Nothing says thing the AFL season has just started than the Ascendant Bombers losing badly in their first game of the season. <laughs> um, Essendon have not won a premiership since the year 2000. Um, ironically, also one of the last times I've ever seen a live Essendon game uh, in Australia, which was that year. Um, <laughs> seems to happen every year I manage to watch a live Essendon game in Australia. They win the premiership that year. All right. Yeah. Well. Essendon, come on. Yeah, maybe you want to... And by live, I mean on TV, not at the stadium. Like, I didn't get to go to the MPG. Well, maybe if um, they get you over there to actually watch one live, you know, they may actually, you know... I may, I may. Go all the way, win everything, be wonderful. Get two years out of it. Yeah, well, they're currently bottom of the season, losing to Geelong. Both me and my cousin Nader are uh, Essendon fans. Uh, he's a bigger fan than I am, and he was just like, yeah, losing, nothing feels worse than losing to Geelong. Um, even at least losing to the other Melbourne clubs, you're like, okay, that's fair. But you know, we'll actually see how... It's only one game, obviously. Uh, we'll actually see how good they are when they play the... Well, the champion Brisbane Lions um, next week. <laughs> this week, rather. Yeah, that, need... that could get interesting. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be a long season. Um we shall see what happens. And now, the game is going to be, it's going to be all the games on Saturday, and then we'll know more. But at this point, I think that's all we have time for today. Thanks very much for listening. I hope to see you all next time. Catch you next time.